I think it'd be good uh, to spend a little time to see who's here. Uh, we're new here, uh, and so almost all of you are new to us. We know some of the faces. So I like to, during dinner time, I was getting to meet some of the students. Uh, Brian's got some friends here, and I see some brothers and sisters from other places. So how about we just see who's with us tonight? Um, how do you want to do it, Daniel? How about those that are here in North Providence? Uh, how about you stand up? If you're, what, how do you want to do it? Rhode Island? Yeah. yeah, going to school here too. If you're a student or you're hanging out in RI, uh, why don't you stand up? Come on, Paul. There you go. Okay, that's a good number. That's a, at least a third or more. Okay. Then where else? Why don't you do this? You know the place. Good to have you. Okay. Thanks from, uh, how about you? Luther and Boston. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 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 Boston. Huh? Yeah. 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 From uh, Newington, Connecticut. Anybody else we miss? <laughs> yeah, Neil and I are. <laughs> actually, he's from this area. Uh, he's a transplant. I grew up in Boston. Yeah, so we got all different places and faces and ages and colors and backgrounds and just one good mixing of God's people together. Well, we were fellowshipping. Well, let me just say today was very enjoyable. We got to spend some time with some that are serving the Lord full time. Uh, very good fellowship. And then we got to fellowship some more with some brothers in this area who are uh, uh, responsible for uh, the Lord's word and the, the churches. And we got to spend some time touring your city and particularly five campuses. Uh, Johnson, what? Wales, uh, Brown, uh, Providence College, uh, Rhode Island College, and the um, School of Design. Yeah, yeah. And there's more, I heard. It's loaded. This area of the country is loaded with colleges and college age. How about you raise your hand if you're uh, college age or in college? Masters, uh, any student related? You're, yeah, just stand up, yeah. Let's see if you're college age or in college, you know, maybe you're out this semester, but you're that little range, 18, 25, 26, right in there. That's about a third or more. So good to see all of you. Okay, thank you. Uh, and and uh, fellowshipping with. Um, well, during the uh, dinner time, I was talking to Taylor, and uh, we were talking about the campuses. And uh, I was mentioning to him, he mentioned Moody, who was responsible for what, did you say? I decided my high school. High school. Wow. D.L. Moody, you've heard of D.L. Moody, probably most of you. And then I related the Cambridge Seven to him, 
and then also Williams College, which is located in this area. Uh, where's Williams? Uh, Western Mass. And in 1806, 200 years ago, there were five students. Uh, and I think two of them were freshmen and three were sophomores. And they were touched by the Lord to begin to pray. And uh, they had a, a spirit leading to spread the word. And so out of these five students, they weren't seminary students. They weren't pastors in churches. They weren't the priests in the churches. They were freshmen and sophomore. And out of these five, uh, they're known as, the haste, known as the Haystack Five, the American student missionary movement was birthed. And Americans began to, on colleges, and many students began to pray, fellowship, and become burdened by the Lord to take his word to many foreign lands. Uh, there's some documentation. I have a book that talks about this. Very interesting. I'd like to spend the evening on <laughs> talking to you. But my point is, don't despise your youth. I was telling Taylor, Taylor, there at Brown, you find a companion and you, you pray and you just see what the Lord would, the lives he would touch and even change right in your environment. Just to have a few students, all you students are so precious to the Lord, regardless of which campus you're on. That's not the point. It's that you're the age and you're open and with an open heart, the Lord can do so much. So we encourage you to seek him during these days. I was telling Taylor, when I was your age in college, I read the New Testament uh, a lot and just enjoyed his word. And I was fellowshipping with Chris and Paul during dinner, and they have a Bible study at Bryan. Is it Bryan College? Is that how? Bryan huh? University. And they have a, a Bible study. And I could tell they, they uh, in their sharing, they enjoy it. Paul's face lit up about the, they're in Peter now, and I can just tell he, is, he says, if we don't have the word every day, we will dry up. I said, that's right, Paul. We'll dry up. We need, we need his word. We need to, to eat the word. And I started to quote a verse, and he finished it for me. Man shall not live, and he just rattled off the rest of it by bread alone. And so the uh, our bread is to our physical life as his word is to our spiritual life. Amen. And I took a piece of bread I was eating. I said, watch this, Paul. <laughs> I ate that bread. I said, that's the same we need, just like that to nourish my body. So now I feel satisfied. I feel strengthened. I feel happy. My body's nourished. Just the same when we get in his word daily. We feel so strengthened and nourished. It's such a good habit, Brother Paul. How old are you, Paul? 20. Oh, Brother Paul, 20. If you, day by day, you just nibble, snack on his word. Every day, a little bit, a little bit, it just starts to accumulate. And you just become a real enjoyer of Jesus through his word. So, oh, it's precious. Well, we, in fellowship with the brothers, they felt like we should... Kind of continue, or actually go back and spend the evening somewhat like last night. So uh, we're going to take the same outline and just maybe make a little bit different emphasis. So I hope those that were in Cambridge uh, aren't disappointed. 
this was our fellowship, and so we would like to, uh, you know, we were considering different things for tonight, but as we fellowshiped, uh, this is what we felt would be the best. So uh, I'd like to just kind of uh, embellish what we were talking about last night, and uh, it's regarding a view of his body. And the best book to, to go to to see the revelation of his body is the book of Ephesians. And if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and this would be verse... Um, let me just read verse, uh, first few verses. Are you there? Chapter 3. Doesn't matter which version you're using. Just uh, read along as best you can. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you, the Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of the grace of God which was given to me for you, then uh, verse 3, that by revelation... The mystery, that by revelation, the mystery was made known to me, as I have written previously in brief. So he wrote earlier in brief this mystery that was revealed to him. Verse 4, by which in reading it, which we're going to do tonight, in reading it, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in spirit, that, and this is the expounding of the revelation, that in Christ Jesus the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise through the gospel. So I want to emphasize the second part of that, or the middle part, (coughs) fellow members of the body. The Gentiles are fellow members of the body. So let's go back and read a little bit of his earlier speaking of this mystery. So if you'll flip back to chapter 1. Uh, we'll highlight some verses. Uh, these, this chapter, uh, firstly, is talking about the blessings and positions position received by Christ, received by the church in Christ. So uh, we'd like to highlight a few verses here. And verse, well, let's go to the end of the chapter like we did last night and see where we're going to end up so you know what the target is. Let's all read 22, 122 and 23 together. Go. He's the Okay, so eventually he was given uh, to be head over all things to the church. And this book is about the church. Come up here, uh, Brian, right? I want to call you Matt. His older brother, younger brother, Matt, lives in Austin, and they look very much alike. 
So I looked at Dad, looked at Mom. I, they're both Matt. They look <laughs> like Matt. I call, so if I call you Matt, are you Matt, or where's your wife? I may even call you Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to Matt, so I'm going to try to yeah, call right. you Brian. <laughs> so uh, he's head over all things, head, who is given to be head over all things, to the church, which is what? His body. It's, it's his body. The fullness of the one. The body is, is him. It's his fullness. He is head over all things. He's a head. No one shares a position of headship but Christ. Okay? But what about his body? What is, who is his body? Where is his body? He's head over all things to the church, which is his body. So the church includes all genuine believers, and they comprise one body. The church, which is his body. Is this Matt? Yes. A Matt. <laughs> you got me. No. I told you. It's hard to teach an old dog. Is this Brian? Oh, is this Brian? Even his hair feels the same. Is this, is this Brian? Is this Brian? Is this Brian? Is this Brian? Okay, these are all members of Brian. Okay, the revelation here, the mystery of Christ, and he's revealing it in chapter 1. Go back and read it, reread it, pray, pray the verses, pray until you see by reading it, you can perceive his understanding in the mystery of Christ that the church is his body. It's his body. That means it's him. It's him, him in full. So if we just know the individual Christ, then we are limited in our revelation. I, uh, I feel sorry for the Jews who haven't believed because to them God is a distant God that they're waiting for their Messiah. So their revelation of God is way out of date. They won't take the New Testament. So they stopped about 2,000 years ago in the revelation, and God is progressively, uh, you know, he's progressing in the New Testament. Okay, but how about us Christians? Are we, do we stop when we think of Christ I'm going to call you John, but your name is Ryan. I know his dad, too. Uh, Ryan, when we think of Christ, do you just think of an individual man that walked the earth, and now he's still an individual man, and that's your Savior? Is that your, when, when the word Christ comes, is that your concept? Mostly. 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 So we, we haven't made the full progression that was good when he came as a man, but now the revelation has progressed. And he realized where he was going, and that's we're spending a little time on how he began to form this body. But the, the progression is further, and now Christ is not just an individual person, but Christ has been enlarged. All the believers are members of his body. That means they are him in life and in nature. Is this Brian? Is this Brian right here in life and nature? Yes. Is this Brian? Is this Brian? Okay. 
Now, uh, spiritually speaking, is this the head Christ? Yes. And this is Brian. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the spiritual body of Christ. This is Brian. So is this, if Christ, if, if the revelation is that the church is his body, then, and this, you'll say you're the thumb, and Chris, you're the finger. What are these? Christ. Do you go tilt? Does your mind go in tilt? No, they're not Christ. Well, we haven't gotten into the depths. We haven't seen the mystery of Christ. We've seen Christ. But have you seen the mystery of Christ? Yeah. To the natural man, you can't, you, can't, you can't process this. But the revelation is that Brian and Chris and Paul and Taylor and Jeff. Are you here, Jeff? Now, Jeff, these are all members. And you're all believers. Are you a believer? You're belie I know you brothers are believers. I know you're a believer. No? Yeah, okay. <laughs> For sure you're a believer. Okay, do you have the revelation that you are a member of his body? Maybe not. If you're his body, that means you must be him in life and nature. Is this, is this you? Yes. The church, which is his body. This is an organism right here. This is one entity. It's one entity. You cannot separate it. You cannot divide it or it dies. It has to stay intact. It's one circulatory system, one nervous system, one organic union. And all the members are organically united to the head. In fact, the nervous system is a great example how each member, how, okay, if this member gets cut, how does this member know? Huh? Goes up to the head, and the head goes back to this finger, tells this finger, hey, this one is hurt, help it out. It, they're all connected directly to the head through the nervous system, and they're all connected directly to themselves, each other, through the nervous system, and through the skeletal system, and through the circulatory system, and through a muscular system. They're knit together. So do you think this finger loves this finger? Of course it loves it. It's the, same, it's the same entity. Do you think this finger loves the head, the head loves this finger? Yes. We love head, the head Christ, and Christ the head loves this finger. But how about these two fingers? Do you see that they're one? Not in function. You know, these function differently. If you hold a pen, you'll see that they function a little bit differently. But do you see they're one? And if they're one, then automatically there is a love. If we see the vision, then do you think I'm going to love? I've never met him before. Have we met? No. Okay, but when I saw him, I, there's a love in me. I know he's a brother. And to see him is just to see myself, basically. I mean, different in function, but organically united, one system. Do we have the revelation that we are him in life and nature and we are related in life and nature, so we are one body. 
We are one body. Okay, what if this hand gets mad and uh, takes a gun and shoots that member and then shoots that member and then shoots that member and then the hand says, well, I didn't shoot myself. Look. But in shooting the other members, what happened? This one died. They can say, I never shot myself. I'm, I'm okay with the head. I didn't shoot the head. I just shot the other members. Well, when we're uh, at odds like this, then we don't see that we are one, that we are the same. To shoot that member is to shoot yourself. Eventually, if you keep you know, firing away, you're going to die. And you may say, well, I never shot myself. Did it shoot itself? If you say no, I say, well, how come you died? <laughs> yes, it shot itself. So the revelation here, we, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation Amen. to see that uh, the other members, we are organically united to the head and to the body. So let me ask a question. When you think of Christ, is your concept individual? Do you stop <laughs> I gotta take this off anyway. Do you stop here? And is your view of Christ just as the individual? Or have you progressed to the revelation in Ephesians, the church, which are the genuine members, the believers, which is his body, the fullness of the one? It's the one. The church, the body, is the Christ. It's him in full. It's him in full. So if we want to experience Christ in full, we have to progress. We have to make progress to see that the members are his fullness. They enjoy him, enjoy his riches, and they get constituted. So the fullness of Christ is where? In the body. Is this mysterious? This is what was hidden. God never revealed this in the Old Testament. Men wanted to know God. They wanted to know, okay, they wanted to know what was God's heart? What was God's thinking? What is going on? And they could receive speaking from God. They never knew God's very heart until Christ came and uh, was, went through his death uh, his incarnation, death, resurrection, and became the spirit to get in to man, regenerate man, and then the revelation was unfolded that and deep in God's heart, he wanted a body for Christ. He wanted to make man the same as he is in life and nature that there could be an expansion of what he is. It's an awesome, you know, Taylor, I don't know what the students at Brown are studying, but this is the top revelation. I don't know how far they advance in science or math or whatever, but this is the purpose of the ages. This is why there is such a discipline called math, and you can study it, because God needs uh, mathematical relationships in his creation. He needs physical laws in his creation to attain to this very thing. So let's look at a few more verses. Uh, we can read in Ephesians 
uh, just pick out a few verses. You got the highlight is what he wants is the body. The body of Christ. And I'm just going to use a little physical body like Paul does. He uses a human body a lot, and I can't draw, of course. So (laughs) this is a physical picture of the spiritual body. He wants this. He wants this right here for Christ. That's what he's after. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse... uh, 9 and 10. He's making known, making known to us the mystery. We already talked about the word mystery of his will. This is his will. He's making known to us. This is what Paul was referring to in chapter 3. He's revealing it here. He's making known according to his wisdom. In all wisdom and prudence, in verse 8, he's making known to us the mystery of his will, God's will hidden in his heart according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself unto the economy or the plan of the fullness of the times. So that means when all the dispensations and ages are over, at the fullness, every dispensation, every age, all God's work through time is completed at the fullness of the times, The final product is all things will be headed up in Christ. The things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him. Brothers and sisters, there will not be left one thing in the whole universe that is not headed up, summed up, gathered together in one under this head in harmony and peace for eternity. That is where everything in this universe is headed. That's what he's after. Taylor, you can tell the students with boldness, just like Paul spoke with boldness. This is the purpose of creation. This is the purpose of education. This is the purpose of man is eventually our lovely, dear Christ will be heading up all things. And that Christ has a body. So it takes the fullness of Christ. It takes to head up everything. It doesn't just take an individual Christ. It takes the fullness of Christ to bring everything he needs, first of all, to gain this body. Without this body, he cannot head up all things in Christ. He first has to start with some. In the complete chaos and rebellion and collapse of the universe, he has to begin with some to head them up, to bring them into the body life, to constitute them with his life and nature so that he has a, the reality of his body on this earth. And once he gets this in reality, this composed with the believers, the real thing, the real body, then he'll have the basis He'll have the ground to bring everything into this harmony and this peace. God works in this way to gain a few and cause them to be himself in life and nature and relatedness. And once he gets to reality, then he's here. 
His body is here on the earth. The head just needs to appear. It's easy. That's the easy part. When the reality is here on the earth, he's here. Didn't we already establish that the body is Christ? That means he's here. He's here right now. In this meeting, he's here. And he's not just hiding behind that partition or hovering over the meeting hall. Where is he? Look at your neighbor. Say, hello, Christ. Now, not Christ the head. Don't ever do that. Don't bow down and worship Ryan. Oh, you're, you're God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. No. But if you have the revelation, if you really see what Paul saw and what he's trying to impart, then we would realize to, to touch another brother is to be touching Christ. Christ. That's Christ. And life and nature. I don't know. What's your name? David. I don't know if you're the little pinky or the kneecap or what part of your his body, what the function is. But I know you're a member of his body. And if you're a member of Christ's body, then you must be him and life and nature. That's a high revelation. And Ryan sitting beside you is also a member, so you are part of this corporate Christ. So to do this, he, I'll just point out a few verses. In, ch- in verse chapter 1, verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So back here, before the foundation, before the foundation, there is a choosing. I'm going to take this one and looking out over all man for all time, and I'm going to need, I want this one, and I want this one, and I want this one. Interesting, different backgrounds. You look Chinese. You look Caucasian. You look African-American. You look Hispanic, are you? Some. Okay, some Hispanic. Where? Okay, look at all. He he didn't. He he's not a respecter of persons. He picked them from all backgrounds, all races, all educational. You know, all. He wants. He wants some from every tribe, tongue, nation. He wants uneducated ones he wants smart ones he wants he wants the whole the body is needs all kind of members That's right. so he went about to choose some to get this body right here he chose them and then it says he predestinated them unto sonship so to be his body you got to have his life he has to impart his life into you. And life, if you're the son of a father, you mean, that means you have his life. So he had to make you a son. That's right. Predestinating you for that. This is all back according to his good pleasure. But in time, we fell. So there had to be redemption. So we have redemption. Why do we have choosing? Why do we have sons? 
Why do we have redemption? And then he just expounds his revelation here about heading up all things where he's going, gives us a sneak preview. And then he gets back and he says, you were also in 11 designated an inheritance, having predestinated us. <laughs> so all this was predestinating. Now you're an inheritance. God is making you his inheritance. He is going to inherit. You wonder what God's waiting to inherit? Are you waiting for your inheritance? God's inheriting Paul. Hey, Paul, why don't you read that verse? Uh, verse, I'm in chapter 1, verse 11. Okay, so we were chosen. Now, why don't you read it? Do you have it? Of whom also we were designated as an inheritance, having been predestinated according to the purpose of the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Yeah, okay, so you have uh, making us inheritance, also inheritance. I didn't hear that in the, in the verse he read 11, but you see it also in verse 14. And uh, do you have it in verse 18, Paul? Yeah, read 18. Yeah. So he made us an inheritance. The riches of his glory, his inheritance, is in the saints. So he has deposited his life to make us his inheritance. So he will inherit his life, the growth of his life, which is in the saints. And then you have the spirit that in verse 13 and 14 became the sealing. That's, uh, if you look at a note there, it's the marking. So, you know, he marked us out when he, there was a marking back here in eternity. When he, he chose, he put a mark. Now in time, he has to seal us. Amen. So that sealing is also a marking to make us his. And then a pledge mm -hmm. to give us a taste. Mm -hmm. And so you have all these things. Where are we going? Oh. The body. So now he prays. Yeah. And we covered this last night. I'll just say briefly yeah. that he prays that we would, for three things. What did he pray for? Spirit of wisdom and revelation, that's in verse what? Do you remember, Ryan? 17. 17. And what was the first thing he prayed? He prayed four things. What was the first thing? Hope of your calling. What verse is that? 18. He prayed we know the hope of our calling. That's right. Chris, Paul prayed for you that you would know, as a young man, you would know the hope of your calling. Amen. Have you been called? Yes, of course. And what is the hope of that calling? The hope, Chris, is that you would be properly related. You would have a proper body life. That's 
in this age, that is what your hope is, that you would have this, enter into this experience. Since he's after this, he has to have this. Mm -hmm. So he put this hope in you. He called you for this. So the hope of your calling is that you would enter into the reality of this corporate Christ. And then it says there he prayed that you would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Did you know that this brother here has some riches of God's glory? That's his expression. When you get around him, uh, you, the reason you're attracted to him is because there are some riches of the expression of Christ in him. He's not like all, a lot of the other students at Bryan University, is he? And same with Paul. They're not like, there's a lot of students, but with these, there's a witness in you, in your spirit, that there is something special about this person and that person. And Jeff, uh, these brothers, uh, there's something there uh, that has the riches of Christ, and so you need them if you're going to experience the riches. Yeah, right. When you get together, the riches start to come out. You appreciate the riches. That's, that's God's inheritance. Amen. So like we shared last night, when you get together, do you all live together? No. Do you and Paul live together? No. Okay, when you get close <laughs> to another Christian, then you're going to see that you need some power to break through all the differences. Yeah. Husbands and wives know this, and all of us who are closely related to other Christians, when we have our differences, we realize we need the surpassing greatness of his power. Yeah. And then eventually, this power is needed to uh, group us and to relate us, to break through, so that we can be the reality of his body the church. So see, uh, he is so desirous right. that we would enter into this reality. He's prepared everything from eternity past, and now the prayer is that there would be some that would see this, and they would enter into it yeah. and be it. So Christ could have a body so that he could, in verse 10, right. head up all things. This is where it's all going. So now, just briefly, I know Neil wants to share. I want to just maybe spend less time on the last part of this outline. We covered it last night. And this was the grouping of the disciples. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Got them right here on the front row. How about these twelve stand up? Twelve brothers, twelve disciples. And so what he was doing here on the earth, he was doing many things, yes. but one of the primary things he was doing was he was uh, preparing this group, and there were other disciples, but particularly he mentions these over and over, and he works with these more intimately, yes. to get these 12, all different backgrounds, and to bring them together, and to uh, blend them, to uh, knit them together, right. to work with them, so that all that's in them for their self and their own uh, desire to be great would be blended out. Amen. And they would be working for three and a half years. Okay, how I just be the Lord here. 
And I called you, we had the verse that he called them because he wanted them. He wanted them, and he wanted them to be with him. So I just came, and Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John, and Matthew, and down the line, I wanted you. You were chosen for this, and I came, and I called you by the seashore, and I want to be with you, Ryan. And I was reading the verse today in John 15 that uh, he loves he loves his disciples. He just loves. <laughs> Come on, you can join in. You're all right. You're fine. You're fine. We always take more. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, you see, and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, at the end of the Gospels, Judas uh, <laughs> Judas was a dropout, and that's going to happen. You know, it happened to the Lord, so don't be too surprised if some don't make it. But if some don't make it, what happens? Then you have to go find, remember his name? What's his name? Well, no, in the scripture, who does he represent? Anybody know in Acts? Matthias. So uh, the first order of business was, where's your vital partner? We don't have a complete unit here. So he wanted to be with them. So he spent three and a half years. How long have you been in school? Three and a half years, almost four, college? How about those three and a half years, you would just be with the Lord day and night, uh, being around him, learning, and being with these other ones he's called, and Ryan just being blended together, being adjusted, being perfected, being taught. Uh, you know, um, just some of the verses are on your outline. I'm just giving you some of the... Uh, I want to save some time here. All these things, uh, working with them together, and uh, they, w- they learn that we're, we're, we're called in twos, some of us. We're sent out in twos. We uh, work together as a partner. We never work alone. We always are seeking fellowship. When the Greeks came to tell the Lord Jesus, or they want to see the Lord Jesus, they came to Philip, and Philip went to Jesus and said, Jesus, all the Greeks are seeking you. No, he went to Andrew and said, Andrew, listen, all the Greeks are, are wanting to go see Jesus. What, what do you think we should do? What, what's your fellowship? Fellowship, fellowship. Hey, maybe we should go tell Jesus. Okay, let's go. And so Andrew goes and, and uh, takes Philip with him, and they go, didn't you see how the Lord had trained them to be uh, practically in this body? The biggest frustration to the body are individual Christians, individual persons. They don't know, we don't see, when we act individually, we deny the principle of the body. So we're not in the reality. But through fellowship, through prayer, through caring for each other, uh, through coordinating, I think Neil's going to develop some of these things, then we, we touch the reality and this this is what the Lord needs yeah. if he's going to head up all things. This kind of uh, oneness mm. and harmony is not found outside of the Lord's body. Yeah. He has reserved this sweet mm-hmm. fellowship and brotherhood, brotherly love. He has reserved it for one, in, uh, for one experience mm. 
one place in the whole universe. Amen. So you will not find it in your classroom at Brown. You will not find it in your career, your business career, when you pass on, you're in business, when you graduate from Bryan and you're in a corporation, which I was, you will not find this kind of brotherly love and this kind of care in, in natural families and in blood, blood, blood relationships. Unless you're believers, real seeking believers, you'll touch it. But most families never touch this sweet oneness and care and love. So it's not in the workplace. It's not in the family unless there's real special conditions that I just described. Yeah. It's not in the schools. It's not uh, any other pursuit you would have. You'll never find it because God created, God reserved this one experience, this highest human experience is reserved for those who are properly related in this body. It's the highest attainment in the human life is to be properly related and joined. There's no greater satisfaction because this is what you were created for. Amen. You try any other, you, you give yourself to any other thing and you will not reach the highest level of human satisfaction. Yes. He's reserved it for one place and that is the body of Christ. Amen. The fraternities and sororities, they try to imitate it. The, the bowling club, the, uh, this social club, this rally for this cause, this, this thing. They're all centered around something, yeah. but only when we're properly related, then do we enter into the highest satisfaction and God is satisfied. Amen. And then he eventually gets what he's after. Amen. So he did this by grouping them as a right. vital group. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. And then he, we gave the verses yeah. in twos and threes. He would work with them, mm -hmm. James and John. Peter, James, and John, yeah. Philip, and Andrew. You just have case and case. And if you read Acts, I'm just looking at Acts briefly, and it always yeah. says Peter and James, and, or Peter and John, or James and John. It says this hardly any, yeah. this individual yeah. naming of the apostles. Mm -hmm. Very much they were raised up in this, this body life. They realized we need each other. We're not going to, yeah. we're not individuals. So this is a high revelation. Okay, 12, you can, Amen. you know. So this is a vision, and this is um, this is the desire for these twos and threes and relatedness. And I think you're going to continue, Neil. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. How's the spirit? Oh. <laughs> okay, as you can tell, there's kind of quadri following the outline and, and then quadri sharing extemporaneously, and that's kind of the way I operate, anyway. So. Uh, I'll try to be somewhat according to the outline and then somewhat uh, share. Wait a minute. Somebody help me with this thing here. Okay. You hold this and I'll put it on. We need to coordinate together here. Okay. Okay. Could you turn to Acts chapter 2? Turn to Acts chapter 2. And remember, we're on this line here going toward the body. And I want you to read uh, starting with verse 41. This is after... You know, Peter preached the gospel, and uh, he kind of gave a, a real strong word. And in verse 40, am I on, by the way? You all can hear me, right? In verse 40, he says, And with many other words he solemnly testified and exhorted them, saying what? 
Be saved. Let's all read that together. Be saved from this crooked generation. Okay, now think about that. Be saved from what? Right. Be, be saved from this body of people. See, I have a desire for you to be in another community. That community is called the body of Christ. You're in this crooked generation. And so he's charging them. Be saved from this crooked generation. Okay, then let's all go ahead and read verse 41. Ready? Go. This is the beginning of the church life in the book of Acts. Be saved from this crooked generation. And they received the word. They were baptized and 3,000 souls, right, were added. Then in verse 42, let's read 42 together. Ready? Go. And they continued steadfastly in the teaching and fellowship of the apostles and in the breaking of bread and the prayers. So... This 3,000 that he says be saved from this crooked generation, they began to continue steadfastly. But if you just take verse 42 by itself, you don't really have a view of what this thing looked like. In other words, you, you have a view that people got saved, people were baptized, people were continuing in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, but you really don't have a clear view. How do you get your hands on this thing? How do you get involved with this thing? Mm -hmm. What did it look like? That's why you can't stop at verse 42. You have to go on to verse 46 because this is what the church life looked like. Saints, we have to see what it looked like. You know what? Don't look at what it looks like today. We have to look at it what it looked like in the book of Acts. So let's read verse 46. Ready? Go. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they partook of their food with exaltation and simplicity of heart. 47, go. Praise God and having grace with all the people. And the Lord added together day by day those who were being saved. Okay, in 42 it says, continued steadfastly, but it doesn't tell you exactly what it looked like. In 46, that same little phrase is there, continuing steadfastly, but now you get a view. What does it look like? What, what were they doing? How were they continuing steadfastly? They were continuing steadfastly, number one, day by day, and number two, house to house. In other words, here was God who in eternity past had chosen these people, had predestinated these people. All these things, redemption, had just happened 50 days before this. All these things, when he met with the disciples after his resurrection, what did he say? He says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And then what did he do? He breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here was the sealing and the pledging right here of the Spirit. But finally, on the day of Acts, when that Spirit came upon those 3,000, what did this thing look like? We're talking about the body of Christ, and you can have all sorts of ideas and concepts. What does it look like? 
and uh, what does a body look like? But what it looked like in verse 46 and 47 was you had happy people. They were praising God. They were from house to house. They were there continuing steadfastly, breaking bread with one another. Saints, you saw a house to house church life. This is what we saw. And this is what the Lord is after is something in our homes. Okay, now you listen. How have we been meeting for so many years? You know, this is a recovery we're in. We are in the Lord's recovery. For so many years, we're, we're, if you ask, what does the church life look like? It was in halls. And everything centered around the hall. And just like, you know, I mentioned, you know, last night. Okay, we had a meeting Tuesday night, training meeting. We'd all come to the hall, the whole church. And then we would have a prayer meeting Wednesday night. We all came to the hall, the whole church. And then Friday night, we had a love feast, and we all came to the hall. And Saturday morning, we had service where we cut the lawn and all these different things. We all came to the hall. And Lord's Day morning, we had a new beginner's meeting, and we all came to the hall. And then after the new beginner's meeting, we had a message meeting, and we were all there at the hall. And then Lord's Day evening, we had the Lord's table, and we were all there at the hall. Saints, we were a hall-centered people for years and years and years. But the Lord has a recovery. And the Lord wants to bring us back to the beginning. And this right here, listen, this verse 46 is the Holy Spirit's invention. Before this, there was a Jewish way. That Jewish way was in the temple. There was a Roman way. The Roman way was in the Colosseum. There was a Greek way. That was in a Greek temple. It was in a big meeting place. But eventually you come to Acts chapter 2 and there is God's way presented. And God's way is day by day, house to house. And even that utterance there, house to house, what that really means is from my house to your house. From your house to his house. From his house to to your house. Eventually, this included all the homes of all the born-again believers. You know what? It was a beehive. It was coming. It was going. It was fellowship, sharing food, breaking bread, rejoicing, praising God, having favor with all the people. That was the body of Christ in action. That was the body of Christ being lived out on the earth, and it was in the homes. And so we have to see, saints, you have to realize, this is a recovery. A brother among us who's really a scholar, he went back and he checked archaeological records. Now, brothers, this is, this is no lie. He went back to check in the archaeological records. Do you know when the first, quote, religious Christian edifice started to appear in archaeological records? The first Christian edifice. 300 A.D. is when the first Christian building started to come forth was 300 A.D. But just like it says in the Gospels, from the beginning, it was not so. From the very beginning, how did they meet? What did the body look like? It was house to house. It was a beehive of joy. It was a beehive of praise. It was a beehive of sharing our bread from house to house. Now, listen to this. This quote here will amaze you, this quote. This, this quote 
is in a book. You probably have never heard this book before. It's called God's Frozen People. God's Frozen People. It was written by a brother. I think it's a brother. His name was Mark Gibbs in 1964. God's Frozen People. This is what it says. It was when the center of the life of the church moved, the center moved from the houses where men lived to special places of worship to which men went, that the division and the distinction between the laity and the clergy became obvious. They moved from where they were supposed to be. Brothers, the homes is the Holy Spirit's invention. Can we improve upon it? Can we improve? This is how the Holy Spirit led. You know, brothers, and I, as I mentioned last night, you can't improve, but you can go back to it. And saints, we are going back home. Amen. You know, I feel like, you know, I came to the New England area. I came home. Amen. These are where my roots are. I was a little boy. I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts. Eventually, I went to junior high school in Needham, Mass, and I graduated as a Needham High Rocket. I'm coming home. Saints, when we get back into the homes, that's when we come home. This is the Holy Spirit's invention, and we just sense the Lord is so happy. Why is he so happy? Why is there such a, a, a kind of a rise in our inner man when we come back to the Holy Spirit's invention? Number one, write this down. The reason being is because it's in the homes where God's activity takes place. Number one, it's in the homes where God's activity place. Now, I need some brothers to help me read some verses. Okay, who's got Bibles with them? You can just volunteer. Okay, you can do one, Daniel. I want you to do Mark 7, 24. Okay, another brother who has a Bible. Okay, can you do, um, I want you to do Matthew 13, 36. Okay, who's got one? Ken, can you do... Luke 19, 5 and 9. Okay, then can you do um, Matthew 9, 10? All right, can you do Luke 7, 36? Okay, let's just do those. This is, I, I did a study, a word study, on the matter of homes in the Bible and houses in the Bible. I came up with 11 pages just from the New Testament. 11 pages. Let me tell you, home, home, sweet home. You know, in Chinese, ja, ja, gun me, ja. <laughs> you have to, you, I don't care what language you say it in. You know, we, even when I was in Puerto Rico, brothers, they taught me how to say, you know, th they have a kind of an idiom, the sweet well, posito dulce, the sweet well, that's the home. Okay, now, who had the first first? Okay, why don't you go ahead and stand up and read it. Tell us where it is. Mark 7, 24. Okay, go ahead. Entering into a house. This is the Savior, Jesus. Where did he go? He went into a house. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. And he wanted no one to know about it, yet you could not escape notice. And you know what happened in that house? If you keep reading, that's where Peter's mother-in-law got healed of her fever. You know what? Every one of us has a fever. Every one of us. You know what? Something happens at school. You're in a fever. 
You know what you need to do? You need to go to the place where fevers are dealt with. That's in a house. Jesus comes to a house to deal with all the fevers. Okay, who had the next verse? 1336. Matthew 1336. Okay. Then leaving the crowds, he went into the house. I love it. He left the crowds. Where did he go? He went into a house. You know what? Jesus is always leaving the crowds. He's going into a house. Okay, go ahead. Amen. And his disciples came to him, saying, Make the parables of the tares of the field clear to us. You know what? Listen, you come to one of these big meetings, you just sometimes it's just like a riddle to you. You know, I, I don't understand. What, what, was, what were those brothers from Texas? I can't even understand their, their accent. What do you mean, fixing to do this? And y'all, and this and that. It's like a riddle. Okay, then you go into a home, and you ask one of the dear saints there, what did he mean by that? He made, and it all gets made known in a home. Isn't this our experience? You're sitting here in the big meeting, it's riddles. You come into someone's home, and you have some older saints there, and they explain the things so clearly. Okay, next one. Who, who has the next one? Luke, is it? Luke 19, 5 and 9. Go ahead. And then Luke 19, 5. And as he came to the place, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay in your house. Yes! Saints, listen to that. I must stay in your house. Okay, go ahead. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Amen. You know what? He just wants salvation to come to our house. Okay, thanks, Ken. Okay, then who had Luke 7.36? Go ahead. Now a certain one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And you know what happened in that house? That's where you have the woman that was forgiven much, was crying and anointing the Lord's feet with her tears. You know what? The house is the best place to love the Lord. Amen. Many times you're on the campus, you're at work, and just it's just the world just beating you down. And then you get into that house, and the tears begin to flow, and you can just the love for the Lord just flows out. All of his activity. Well, I don't want to say all, but a good portion, an emphasis of his activity took place in the homes. We have to be people that realize once you touch the homes, this is where God's activity takes place. Okay, now, I need a brother for an illustration. Okay, I need a young brother. Okay, look, come over here. Come here. Come here. Okay, okay, I want you to go behind that, that little thing there. So we can't see you, that partition. Right. Go behind that partition there. Okay. And we don't want we don't want to see you. Okay, good. Now I want you to knock on the door. Okay, now come through the door. Oh, that's great, right there. Oh, that's good. Okay, now I want you to realize something. It looks like when these young ones come into our house. It looks like they just opened a physical door. He just came through the door. He looks hungry. He looks like he's ready to eat. (laughs) You know, in other words, it looks like he just came through a physical door. Okay, I want you old saints to realize, especially the dear community saints, when that young person comes through that door, something happens in the divine and mystical realm. 
And what happens is he actually begins to enter into the door of your heart. And he gets into you just by coming into your home. And eventually, you know, us dear community saints, we have so many things we're occupied with. We're occupied with our kids. We're occupied with their education. We're occupied with our 401ks or whatever they call them now. <laughs> you know, there's so many different things. We're occupied with our retirement. We're occupied with all these things. And then one of these little guys comes through the door and it just looks like he came through the physical door. But actually, he came in to the door of your heart and something begins to operate in your being and your, in your daily life and you're thinking about that person, and you're burdened for that person, and you begin praying for that person. Okay, come on over, brother. Okay, now, then we have one of these dear community saints here. This, I got to know this brother today from Philadelphia, the church and brotherly love. Rich. Come over here, rich. The rich man, rich. Okay, now, you think about this. This brother here, probably you've been in the recovery over 30 years. Okay, you know, a lot of times I'm afraid, you know, people ask, you know, how long have you been in the recovery? And I'm like, God, I don't know if I want to tell him because there's hardly any transformation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's Rich. Okay, and then we get this young brother to come in the house. Okay. Yeah, you can put your Bible down. Okay, now, he's come into the house here. And we've got these two people together. Okay, you have here... A very needy person. <laughs> very needy person. This is what we call low pressure in Texas. Mm -hmm. And you have here also a very needy person, but he's got high pressure. He's been in trainings for 30 years, and the riches of Christ have been deposited in him year after year after year. Why is this one needy? He's needy. Because he hasn't had a way to flow it out. And you know what it says in, in, in Job 32? He says, my it, it's like my spirit is like, it's, like it, it's wine that has no vent in, jo in, in, in Job 32. And then it says, I will speak that I may be refreshed. Amen. This is what it says. So here's this, this brother, and he's got all these riches of Christ for years and years and years have been deposited in him. But he's had no outlet. And here's this one. He just got saved last week. He doesn't know who the triune God is. He doesn't know how to exercise his spirit. He doesn't even know he has a spirit. He doesn't even know that Christ lives in him. He doesn't know this thing called the church. To him, it's just a building down the street with a big bell tower on it. He has no clue about who is who and what is what. This person is very needy. And what we do is we create a storm system. And we bring this high pressure with this low pressure. And he begins to dispense the riches of the triune God into this brother. And this brother gets shepherded. And this brother gets released. And the body of Christ gets built. Amen. Okay. This takes place in the homes. Amen. I want you to see it, saints. I want you to see it. This takes place in the home. If, we, if these brothers stay in the hall, and that's what they do for the rest of their life, they just stay in the hall. After the meeting, who is he going to be with? He's going to be with people his own age. They're going to go run, and they're going to do, do their thing. And who is this person going to be with after the meeting in a big meeting hall? He's going to be with people his age and go home. 
and never the twain shall meet. But brothers, what we need to do is we need to bring these two together again and again and again. And eventually, this one gets shepherded. This one gets built up. This one gets perfected. And this one becomes the very future of the Lord's recovery. And this one is passing on all the riches, all the things that have been stockpiled into his being so that the recovery can have a future and go on. And he's released. He's released that his 401k is going down this week. He's released from that. He's released from all the retirement plans and everything like that. He's released to be what he's supposed to be, and that is a functioning member in the body of Christ. What are we supposed to be, brothers? We are supposed to be members, functioning, living members in the body of Christ. And eventually, if he keeps coming to this home meeting, he becomes exactly like him, and there's a reproduction, and he becomes a functioning member. Okay, now, I want to write a little chart on the board here. This is especially for the students, but I, I think it applies across the board. Okay, Tim, it's okay we raise this real quick? How many, how many here have gone to junior high and high school conferences at some time in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, this is the way generally it is with those that go to junior high and high school conferences. We go, we're, we're down here, and then we go to the junior high conference or the high school conference. The sisters are all crying. The brothers, even some of them shed a tear. They're on the mountaintop. They're enjoying the Lord. And then they come back, and they come to the Lord's table meeting, consecrate everything, you know, this and that. And then two days later, the train starts going down. <laughs> then the next junior high, high school conference comes. And you can apply it on all different levels. It might be the next training comes. But I really want the young people to get this. So the next conference comes, they go back up. <laughs> consecrate, give themselves to the Lord. They start, maybe even start reading the Bible for a day. <laughs> Train starts going down. <laughs> and then the next conference, up. Amen. Okay, now, young people, don't lie to me. Is this really what it, uh, the Christian life is all about? Should it be this way? No, it should not be this way. You know, our Christian life should be something like this. We start here and gradually... We make progress upwards. Now, I would like to draw on this chart what, if you want to be on this line, what it looks like. Okay, let me tell you, young people, what it looks like. It looks like this. <laughs> this is what it looks like. <laughs> Saints, young people, I am so serious when I'm drawing this chart. I'm so serious. The way to break out of this type of Christian life with the up and down is get vitally connected to a home and be in a home and go through that door again and again until when you get into that home, those saints that are in that home, you get into their heart and they begin to pray for you. And I will say this, not one of us is here. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in the recovery. Not one of us is here that was not seriously prayed for, seriously prayed for. You know, when I was going to school at LSU, in Baton Rouge, I, I'm sorry, this is just where I'm at. I thought I was hot stuff. 
I really did. I mean, you know, we were there, and there was about nine of us. There was no church life there, and we were coming to Houston on the weekends. And, you know, we learned how to call on the Lord, and we learned how to exercise our spirit. And, you know, we thought we were going to take that campus. And we would, you know, be going back to Baton Rouge from Houston and beating on the dashboard and saying, Baton Rouge is going to burn. Baton Rouge is going to burn. And we had morning watch, and we had home meetings, and we just thought we were hot stuff. And then one day I got a, a striking wake-up call. And what it was is this, is that every Wednesday night, I found this out later, the church in Houston would pray. And you know what they would do? They would write our names on the board of the church in Houston. And then I realized I'm standing here tonight because those dear saints prayed for me. It's not because I was something. Brothers, we're nothing. You know, we're nothing. It's just, it's just the mercy of the Lord that we, as young people, could get into someone else's heart and that saint begins to pray for us. You know, there's an there's a older sister and uh, when I was a young brother and I was in the church in New Orleans, I lived in this couple's house. And the way it was set up was the family lived in the top floor, the meeting hall was the, the ground floor, and all the single brothers lived in the basement. And this sister, I didn't realize it, but just being there, I had really gotten into her heart. And for years, that sister prayed for me. And so when we started having the college conferences and I started participating and sharing the college conferences, that older sister who was in another locality would call me the week of the college conference. She'd go, Neil, <laughs> Sister Dorothy, <laughs> you know, and uh, she'd go like this. She'd go, now, now who's praying? I mean, no, who's sharing the college conference? Oh, okay, now who's, okay, uh, Collie's going to share first, okay, and then Clem second. Okay, you're going to go third. Okay, okay. And, and, and I thought, oh, well, it's so nice. This sister's calling up. She wants to find out about the college <laughs> conference. You know, just some of us are thick. You know, we don't get it, you know. <laughs> and so I found out later, she, you know, and she'd go, now, now how's it going this week and everything like that? And, and, and I thought, wow, so nice to hear from her. And, and she was calling for one reason. She meets with a group of sisters in her locality, and they fight the battle for the, for the college conference. Wow. And <laughs> the reason we have anything, saints, is somebody was praying for us. And saints, when we get into those homes, young people, when you get into those homes, they get, you get into the hearts of the older community saints and they pray for you and they care for you and your, your, your spirit. This is why if you get into a home in a regular way, you start going upward in your spiritual life. Instead of having these big ups and downs and dips and then going up again, you have something that becomes stable in your Christian life. And I would say to the dear community saints, in a sense, you get on the same line. Why is that? Because people get into you and there's less room for self and your problems and your pity parties. And really with us older people, I'll tell you what our main problem is, pity parties. You know what a pity party is? I'm gonna tell you what a pity party is. Pity party is, why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why is my kid like this? So-and-so's kid over there, they graduated with top honors. 
so-and-so's kid over there, they've got a great job. Why did I get this? And we go through these things called pity parties. Okay, the best way to get saved from pity parties, dear community <laughs> saints, is get some young people into your house, and eventually, you know what they do? They just crash the party. <laughs> and that's exactly what we need. We need a lot of pity parties just crashed by these young people coming into our house and getting into our heart, and eventually we get saved, Amen. saints. And those houses save us just as much as they save the young people. Amen. Okay, then... Another reason why it's so critical to be in the homes, and that is this. Do we have any shy sisters here? Okay, now, sisters, I see these two Chinese-speaking sisters here. Now, okay, now I'll even ask in Chinese. Well, when, Ni Men? Okay, Ni Men? Ni Hai Shou Ma? Ni Tinder Ma? Oh, you're American. Okay. Okay, then I'll, okay, that's okay. I'll use English. Are, are you shy? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, when I'm speaking, everybody's afraid. <laughs> okay, listen. You think that she's going to stand up boldly after this meeting with all these people here and say so much? Probably not. She, is this one here going to say so much? Probably not. But listen, you take the same two right here and you put them into a home where there's like maybe five or six in a home, don't you think that they're going to be much more apt to open their mouth, to sing, to pray, to say amen, to function? Listen, this is God's wisdom, saints, that we get into the homes and that organic function that is in every one of us has a chance to grow and to develop and to come out. If we, listen, saints, what would it be like if we stayed in the meeting hall all our life? Okay, every human being, when they're born, don't they have the possibility to speak? Isn't it programmed in their being? They have the ability, if they have the right growth and the right training, they can speak? Okay, you know, they've had these, these case studies, some of you know about this, called feral children. Okay, what a feral child is this? It's a child, for some reason, gets carried away from human parents and is raised by some type of wild animal, be it a wolf, be it some type of animal. And they, they found these feral children. Now listen to this. Twelve years old, they have growth, human growth. They can't speak. They were in the wrong environment. And so the speaking, does every one of them have the speaking ability? Absolutely every one of them has the speaking ability. But they, for 12 years of their life, were in the wrong environment. And so as a result, they have growth of a 12-year-old, but they can't speak like a 12-year-old. And saints, many of us, we were in the wrong environment for year after year after year after year. And we never got into the environment where our organic function could grow and be developed. And when we eventually had a move into the homes where there's just a few of us and there's the intimacy and the concern for one another, it's like that song says, the chords that were broken will vibrate once more. Eventually, something began to happen. Even, you know, we shared, shared last night, some of the sisters are like church mice. They're here, they're scurrying around, they're serving, but you never hear them in a meeting. But you take that same church mouse 
and you put that mouse in a meeting in their own home, and you can't shut them up. The speaking function is there. The, the, the organic function just comes out in the right place. And the right place for that to come out is in the homes. This is why, saints, we have to realize it's a fight. It's a battle. It's a recovery to move from the hall into the home. Because what happens when we get into the home is the organic function develops. We begin to function. And the body of Christ is brought forth. So anyway, saints, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I just want you to get this. I mean, there's a lot we shared last night, but I have such a feeling inside that if we could see how crucial it is in Providence to have our homes open, to have people come into our homes, to begin to minister to these people, to begin to share with these people, all of God's activities are he begins to be able to move and act again, just like he did in the Gospels. And eventually, we become a people free from ourselves. The organic function is developed in our being. And ultimately, and this is ultimately, the body of Christ is built up. Saints, it is no small thing that this revelation of the body takes place in our homes takes place as we get together, as we pray together, as we fellowship together, as we coordinate together, as we care for one another together, as we get blended together. Not just come together as individual grains, but we actually learn to pray and get blended together. In the homes, the body is slowly but surely beginning to build itself up in love. Why? You know, with, with many of us in many of the localities, we're beginning to even begin to pray outside of the home meetings. We're beginning to have times to pray together. We're beginning in twos and threes, trying to get together to pray, to fellowship, to coordinate, to care for one another. That right there is where the battle is, right there. You try, you try to set up an appointment, all of a sudden some business problem comes up, something goes wrong with the kids, some sickness comes up, and the enemy is fighting this tooth and nail to keep us from getting together, praying, fellowshipping, coordinating, and getting blended. And eventually when we, the individual grains, and that's what we are, and for the most part for years, even we would come together in the homes as individual grains. The individual grains start to get blended together, to become one loaf together. That is what the enemy is fearful of. He is not fearful of just a bunch of individual grains getting together on Friday night, playing the guitar, and eating some good food. What he's afraid of is when those individual grains come together and begin to pray, fellowship, coordinate, care for one another, and get blended together, eventually they become a loaf. And it's that loaf that came down and smashed the Midianites. They, you know, Gideon, Gideon, what, what did he do? He had 300 men. They say, blow the trumpet, smash the pitcher. There's a lamp in the pitcher, and they just routed the Gideonites. But how, I mean the Midianites, but how? How did they know it? Because they had a dream that there was going to be a rolling barley loaf, and it was going to roll into that camp and destroy them. And saints, is when we come together and get blent together and become that loaf in the homes that the enemy is smashed and the body is built up. Hallelujah for the home, saints. You, you have to love that word, homes. I love the word, homes. I am home. Saints, I'm home. When I'm at, why, why am I at home? Because Christ in me is at home when I'm in the homes. He loves to be in the homes and get his body in the homes.
Okay. I'll stop here. Is that good? Okay. Should we have some testimonies? What should we do, brother? Pray for a minute. Okay. Pray for a minute with your neighbor.